me just tell you just real quickly how proud I am of this church and how much I love you guys and just consider it an honor just to, just to be able to pastor here and to be called your pastor. Uh, it's one thing to sing a song about God of this city, but it's a whole different deal for a church to get involved in the city and truly live out what they sing and live out what they believe. Uh, this last week, because of, of your giving and a bunch of volunteers and uh, we delivered over 300 backpacks to Span Elementary. And so, yeah. So you know the story of Span. 97% of the families that, are, that have children there are, at or below the poverty line. And so we gave them enough backpacks for every one of their students currently, and then enough backpacks so that if they get new students throughout the year, then they'll be able to hand them the backpacks. And if you could, I wish I had a backpack. I mean, it has the logo. It has Span's name. I mean, they are awesome. And it's, it's a year's supply of all of the school supplies that they're going to need uh, for a year. We had 70 volunteers that showed up and put all the school supplies in each backpack and delivered them uh, to Span Elementary. And, and so, uh, and I mean, the, the, the children... The parents, the administration are totally blown away that a church on the other side of town would minister to a group of kids that are in a difficult position like they are. And so let me just tell you, thank you. And, and, and another thing, uh, we, we put a, a list together, and so we had a roster of all the kids' names. And, and I know there's not supposed to be prayer in school, but too bad. And so, uh, so uh, every... so. Uh, Every one of the children and their families have been prayed for by name uh, before we handed out the backpacks, and we'll, we will continue to do so. So we could not do this without you. And so I just tell you what, just well, th- there's, this is the greatest church in the world to pastor, and I, I truly believe that. And so thank you for your generosity. Thank you for, for caring about a community and some other things. Well, Okay, so today we start a brand new series, Galatians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, you may not have heard the story, but Billy Ray Cyrus and Andy Williams were, were in Branson, Missouri, each one of them doing concerts at different venues and different concert areas. And so after one night, after they had completed both of their concerts, they came back to the hotel and their limos kind of got there about the same time. And as both of their limos pulled up and Billy Ray Cyrus got out, Andy Williams gets out of his, they're walking into the hotel. About that time, bandits show up. And so they kidnap Billy Ray Cyrus and Andy Williams. And so, yeah, major news. And so, so, so they took them out to the woods and, and they took Andy Williams and Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus and tied them up to a tree. They took out the ace of spades and stuck it on their hearts and said, we're about ready to shoot both of you boys uh, through the heart. But we'll give you one last request, to which Billy Ray Cyrus real quickly says, well, I want to sing Achy Breaky Heart one more time. <laughs> Andy Williams responds, shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mine. That's just funny, but you know. You know, and the more you think about it, the funnier it gets. But, you know, here's the deal. There's some things in life, right? We get tired of hearing. There are some things in life, it's like, don't sing it again. Don't say it again. Don't talk to me about it again. But if we're truthful and honest, there are some things in life, we just get sick and tired of hearing. And there's some things in church 
we get sick and tired of hearing. Don't talk to me about that again. Don't even bring that subject up. That subject is off limits. Well, for the next few weeks, the next eight or nine weeks, we're going to talk about something that, that I believe that you just cannot talk about enough, that no one says, you don't talk about that about, don't talk about that anymore. I just, I, I can't stand hearing about it anymore. And we're going to talk about this issue of the gospel. We're going to talk about this issue. What is the gospel? What does it mean to be a Christian? And how are we acceptable to him? And we're going to look at this issue because we've got to look at it and understand it. Because when you look at all major religions, you realize if you go through the list of all major religions, you find where it's Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Islam, even Judaism, it's work-based. It's just work-based that you do these things, you obey these rules, regulations, all this other stuff, and you'll become a good person, uh, and so you work your way to heaven, except for Christianity. And the message of Jesus Christ was this, that I have come, and I'm going to take your sin on me, and I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die and I'm going to bleed, and on the third, third day, I will be resurrected. And all you have to do is to accept and believe. It's Christianity. It's not behavior modification. It's not based upon works. I mean, all Jesus said, just accept and believe. Receive. Are you a good receiver? I mean, is it hard for you to receive gifts? I mean, have you ever gone all the way through your Christmas list and you bought all of your gifts, you bought all of your stuff, you're done, and now you can enjoy Christmas, and then somebody who is not on your list buys you a really, really nice gift? You know, not popcorn in a can and not any of that stuff, nothing against popcorn in a can, uh, but I'm talking about a really, really expensive, nice gift. What do you do? Well, if you're like a lot of us, it frustrates you because now you've got to go back to the mall, right? And so you go buy them a really, really nice gift because you're trying to pay them back for the gift they got you, right? We do the same thing with God. Some of you do not understand the principles of Christianity, the principles of the gospel to the depths that, it, that Jesus taught to where you are spending your life because God gave you a really, really nice gift that you, if you will accept, if you will believe, if you will receive, I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you forgiveness of sin. And you are spending your life trying to pay him back for what he's done for you. That's why you'll hear people say stuff like, well, the least you could do is go to church. Look what Jesus did for you. You could at least dress up. You know, all that stuff that we've heard through the years. But Christianity, totally different. It's the message of the gospel. See, Paul tells us in Galatians, and this is what the book is written about. Paul tells us in Galatians that basically, you know, that, that your acceptance to, toward, to God is based on a few things. It is not based on your performance. It is not based upon a religion, but it is based upon Christ and what Christ did for you on the cross. So let's unpack that together this morning, and then we're going to take communion together as we end, hopefully that we understand the gospel a little bit deeper this morning. Galatians chapter 1, uh, the scripture says this in, in verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle. So Paul's the guy that wrote this letter. That's important. So Paul is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. That's a group of churches. They're brand new churches. They've been started. Uh, they're starting to grow. And then some things are coming in that Paul has to deal with. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then here he goes. I am astonished. I am shocked. I am without words that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Jesus Christ and are turning to a different gospel, a false gospel. Not that there is another one. He's saying there's only true, one true gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want, want to distort the gospel, want to make the gospel something that it's not. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. These are strong words by Paul. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. This book that Paul writes to the, to, to the churches in Galatia helps us understand the gospel, helps us understand that, that it is not based upon performance, that God accepts us, that it's totally different than that. It is what he has done on the cross, not what, he, not what we have done for him. And see, here's what's happening. Um, Judaizers, they're Jewish by birth, who became Christians, who accepted Christ. So there's Judaizers coming into the church, and they're saying, wait a minute. It's more to it than that to be saved. There's some things you, you know, Paul was saying this, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That's the message. That's the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. The Judaizers were saying this, Jesus plus works. In their case, circumcision. Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. In other words, what they were saying Jesus isn't enough. It's not what he did on the cross. That's not enough. We've got to follow some rules. We've got to follow some regulations. We've got to do some things to help him out. See, the Judaizers were really impressed with themselves because they were great rules followers. We wouldn't so much today call them Judaizers. We would call them what? Legalistic people. Legalistic people that develop rules and regulations that are nowhere in Scripture. See, the problem is with Judaizers, the problem is with legalistic people is this. Legalistic people push the very people they have been called to reach away. They repulse them. God had called them to reach the Gentiles. And now they're putting rules and regulations in their, and they're pushing them away. See, legalistic people only want people around them that can follow the rules. It's just outward behavior only. But we serve a Lord. We serve a Lord who was a friend to the drunkard, who was a friend to the one with a drug addiction. 
He was a friend to the one who had murdered. He was a friend to the one who had committed adultery. He was a friend to the one who had several divorces in their path, living with the one that they're with now. He was a friend to the liar. He was a friend to the cheat. He was a friend to the one who had stolen. He was a friend to those that were very irreligious and very far away from God. He was a friend to the one that that it was all about them. See, legalistic people do this. Legalistic people develop rules that are not in Scripture, and they set up these impossible rules and regulations that they cannot follow, and no one else can as well. Legalism is when people put rules on themselves and others that aren't in the Bible. It's Jesus plus works. It's Jesus plus something that you do. And the churches, and Paul was teaching, no. It's Jesus plus nothing. And the Judaizers are saying, no, it's Jesus plus, in their case, circumcision. And Paul's like, wait a minute. It is by grace you have been saved. You don't have to be circumcised to be a believer. And that was good news to men. Probably at that time, only the women were joining the church. <laughs> I'll move on. There's all kinds of stuff going through. My, I mean, you think we ask a lot when we just want you to go to a farm member class and go through a one-hour deal. I'm moving on. In truth, to some extent or another, we're all recovering legalists. We don't talk about it a lot. We may talk secretly about it. We may have some thoughts. But legalists believe that there's something I can do to be more acceptable to God. There's something that I can do that makes me less acceptable to God. That's what the legalists were saying. If you want to be acceptable to God, it's Jesus plus circumcision. So, if we read the Bible every day for a week, if we pray every day, if we, uh, if we witness to someone, if we help someone, then if we're not careful, we believe that we are more acceptable to God this week because we read the Bible every day, because we prayed every day, because we helped people every day. And if we miss a day, of reading scripture, or we miss a day of praying, or we didn't help that person, our coworker, or whoever that we know we should have, then we feel like that God kind of rejects us, or God doesn't accept us quite like he would if we had prayed or read the scripture every day. And that's performance-based faith. Legalism is this. It is, it is trying to work in, in our man-made rules, our power to become acceptable to God, so some way he just accepts us. And so they were adding old rules to a new covenant. They were still living under the old covenant. And we need to be careful. When we look at the difficult commands of the New Testament, which is commands of Jesus or Paul or whoever, and when we say that you need to obey those commands, that is not legalism. That is Christianity. Obedience to the scriptures is not legalism. I mean, that's the core of the gospel. What, what legalism is, is that if we do certain things when we're in Christ, when we're believers, that we can do certain things that gives us more credit before God. 
to some degree or another. We may all struggle with this at some level. That if I do certain things during the week, I'm more acceptable to him. And if I don't, he rejects me. See, Paul is saying salvation is free, mercy is free, forgiveness is free, and it's, it's not what we have done for him, it's what he has done for us. And we need to accept and believe and receive. But the problem is, we try to pay him back. How do you pay some back, someone back that took your sin, bled and died, and because of it, you have forgiveness and freedom and life. Paul said in verse two, 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, what? To be delivered, to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. He pursued us. He went after us, not based upon your performance, not based upon how good of a person you were, Verse 13, we'll just drop down. He gives his testimony. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Paul was a legalist. Paul's speaking right out of his, his past, right out of his pain. He says, You may have heard about my former way of life when I was a rules follower, when I added rules to Scripture, and I lived that life, how I persecuted the church of God violently. He was killing Christians. See, Legalists, the reason they can do hurtful, painful things is because they believe that by doing those, it makes them more acceptable to God. That's why legalists around you can be some hurtful, painful people. And it's hard to talk to them because they believe their actions are making them more acceptable to God. Paul was no different. And I was advancing in Ju Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. He says, I was a great rules follower, I was the best. I was getting promoted quicker than anybody else because I was so good at this stuff. And I was so extremely zealous was I for, for the traditions of my father. Paul's testimony was this. Paul's te testimony was, I was a legalist. Watch this, verse 15. But when he who set me apart before I was born... Do you know he set you apart before you were born? Before he said, let there be light, he said, let there be Charlie. Let there be Carol. Let there be John. Let there be Joe. Let there be Paul. Let there be Mary. Do you realize that? Paul understood this. See, this is all of a sudden it grabbed him. This wasn't about my performance. This wasn't about the, how good of a life I was living. It was about him. He's the one that pursued me and who called me by what? Not by my performance. Not that I was keeping the rules. Because even Paul wasn't. He called me what? By my grace. Paul was saying, you know what? I was doing these horrible things. And God pursued me and revealed himself to me is what we'll learn later. Understand this. Paul as a legalist was doing well. 
He was not unhappy with the rules deal. He was not unhappy with, with Judaism. I mean, Paul was, was advancing quickly. He was not dissatisfied with where he was. When Paul was not seeking the gospel, the gospel was seeking him. And when you weren't seeking the gospel, the gospel was seeking you. Whether you realize it not or not this morning, God is revealing himself to you. If you haven't accepted him and turned your life over to him, he is revealing himself to you. Not based upon your performance, not based upon the life you've led up to this point. He is revealing himself to you. And I don't know about you, but that is good news to me. That when I wasn't seeking him, he was seeking me. When I wasn't seeking him, he was continually revealing himself to me. So God's acceptance to, uh, for us is not based on your performance. And guess what? It's not based on a religion. It's not based on your performance, and it is not based on a religion. Watch this, verse 11. He says, For I would have you know, brothers. So he's talking to believers. That is so important. Believers can move to a different gospel. Believers can move into this work-based Christianity where, you know what? I promise you this. If you're in works-based, you will never find freedom. You will never feel acceptable to him. You just won't. And he said, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. A man did not make this stuff up. You want to know what man made up? Look at the works-based religions. Who would make this up? Do you just got to accept, believe, and receive? For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it. So it's not only what, through a revelation from Jesus Christ. So it's not only being aware and believing. You have to... You have to receive it. And then Paul gives us some insight into why are there legalists in the world? Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Legalists can't even keep their own rules. They can't even live up to their own stuff. But it's pride. That's what drives them. But they desire, watch this, to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. It's pride. They're going to try to force you to do something that they themselves cannot do. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. A holy and a perfect and a righteous God became a man and lived a perfect life without sin. And he became sin for us. He died on a cross for rebellious sinners who worshipped other things other than him. Whether it's materialism, whether it was success, whether it was popularity, whether it was themselves, he didn't care how deep and dark your history was, your past was. He didn't care how deliberate your rebellion was. Paul's a living example of that. Paul's rebellion was deliberate. 
And he came. And he died on a cross and says, if you will accept me, if you will believe, if you will receive, you'll live forever. You'll have eternal life. And not only that, I'll give you forgiveness. I'll wipe your past away and you won't have to live with guilt and judgment and all this other stuff. Listen, Paul was so strong that he says, to abandon this gospel is to abandon God. He says, you're abandoning God. If you believe that it's Jesus plus works. Look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to what? To deliver us from the present age, according to the will of God and Father. It is not what man can do. It is all about what Christ has done for you. And Christ went to the cross. And he took my sin and he took your sin on him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And it's not based upon, listen, when it's based upon your performance, you undercut, you cheapen the gospel. You are saying Jesus' death is not enough. Pride. It's me. It's Jesus plus me. It's Jesus plus what I can do. See, Judaizers were saying, yes, Jesus was a son of God. Yes, Jesus went to the cross for our sins. Yes, Jesus was our sacrifice. But here's what we got to do. I'm telling you, if you live in the world, it's my performance. It's my religion. You'll never have freedom. You'll never be set free. The Christian life will be a struggle because you will spend your life trying to pay God back for something that you cannot pay. So it's not our performance. It's not our religion. Here's what sets you free. Here's what it's based on. God's acceptance of me and God's acceptance of you is based upon the cross. What Christ did for us on the cross. Therefore, when you sit in this room, regardless of how many times you prayed this week, regardless of how many times you studied the Bible this week, regardless of how many people you've witnessed to, whether you've witnessed to people or whether you haven't, regardless of how many people you've helped, based on the work of Christ and what he did on the cross, if you have received that, if you have accepted that, if you're in Christ, you're acceptable. You are totally and completely acceptable to him. That's the gospel. That's why we cling to Christ. That's why we cling to the cross moment by moment. That's why we cling to the, the gospel. See, now, legalists at this point begin to push back. And it gives them some fear. And, and maybe that's what's running through your mind this morning. So let's just kind of uncover that and let's just be willing to just talk about it. See, legalists at this point will say, Charlie, you're on dangerous ground. I know Galatians, and I, man, I understand what it's saying, and yeah, I, I agree with you, but I just got to let you know, I, I'm pretty concerned about that theology because you tell people all they got to do is accept, receive, believe. They're acceptable to God. Nothing they can do can make them less acceptable to God. Nothing they can do can make them more acceptable to God then you've just given them permission to live however they want. 
It doesn't matter the sin they commit. It doesn't matter their lifestyle. And I just got to, and, and that's what drives this rule stuff is that fear. I would tell you this, anybody believes that, the gospel has never penetrated their life. The gospel, when it penetrates your life and when you understand it, it changes every area of your life. There is not one example in Scripture when people met Christ that they woke up the next morning and went on like nothing ever happened. They just continued on with their life. They did the same old stuff. They lived the same old life. The gospel, when it penetrates your life, it transforms. There's a totally different motivation. Our motivation becomes to honor him and to glorify him because of what he did on the cross, not to keep a bunch of rules, not to keep a bunch of uh, regulations, not to gain his acceptance. We have his acceptance. We now live different. Verse 14, Galatians chapter 2, Paul speaks to this issue. Watch this. But when I saw that their conduct was not what? In step with the truth of the gospel. This is so huge. I said to Cephas, which is Simon Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? There is a way of living that reflects the truth of the gospel. When the gospel comes into someone's life, when someone accepts it, when someone receives it, when someone believes it, it transforms their life. It changes their life. It is grace that makes us acceptable before God. And it radically changes everything in our life. It is by grace that you have been saved so that no man can boast. I can't boast in my works. I can't boast in my performance. I can't boast in my man-made rules. I can't boast in my religion. Verse 4, watch this. Paul says, Who gave himself for our sins. Why did he give himself for our sins? To deliver us. To deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father. To deliver us means to be delivered from the power of something. It means to be set free. It was the same world that, word that was used for the children of Israel when they were set free from their slavery, when they were set free from their bondage. And we have been delivered from the present evil age. We have been delivered from the ways of the world. We don't have to think like the world. We don't have to live like the world. We don't have to act like the world. The gospel has rescued us. And you are totally and completely set free. You don't have to live like the world does and think and act and behave. In other words, you're not in bondage. See, the world tells you the only way you're going to be acceptable is by performance. You're free from that. By His grace, we have been set free. And then when we go through Scripture and we hear tough commands in Scripture, whether, whether Jesus said it or the Apostle Paul said it or someone else said it, and we say, that's a tough command. I cannot do that. But Christ can do that in me. See, when you accept Christ, he places his spirit inside of you. We're set free from sin. That sin that has a hold on you, that you cannot break free of or get out of, you've already been set free from it. If you are in Christ, he has already given you the power to break that. That sin, that behavior, that action no longer has power over you. You're the one that gives it power. You have been set free from it. 
not based upon your work uh, to overcome it, not based upon your performance to work yourself out of it. It's the power of Christ who lives in you and you have been set free. Verse 15, Paul says this, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, we'll just see this. This is one of my favorite phrases was pleased to reveal his son to me. Don't forget Paul's performance at the time. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. He was trying to do everything. His rebellion was deliberate. And the scripture says, God was pleased to reveal his son to me. He didn't do it because he had to. He didn't do it because he was forced to. He didn't do it because of Paul's performance. The scripture says that he was pleased. Do you realize that God is pleased to reveal his son to you regardless of your lifestyle, regardless of your past, regardless of your sin issues, regardless of your performance at the time? Why? In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult anyone. And so, see, sometimes we can be so narcissistic that we make the gospel all about us. Jesus loves me. Jesus saved me. Jesus gave me eternal life. And we just kind of leave it at that. And again, someone that believes that doesn't totally understand the gospel. The reason God revealed himself to you, the reason you have become a Christian, was not just so you could soak in the grace of God and sit in a church and just soak and sour He revealed himself to you. He revealed himself to Paul so Paul would preach, would proclaim to others whose Christ was. The reason he revealed himself to you is not only so that you'd become his child, but that you would be willing to reveal your, him, him to others. Paul said, there's a way to walk in step with the gospel. When people are changed by the gospel, they begin to walk in step. I'm not talking about being perfectionist. They start making lifestyle changes. When we understand that the gospel is not all about us, that's what leads us to give backpacks to Span Elementary. That's what leads us to get involved in the community and help people who are hungry and help people who are poor. That's what leads us to do foreign missions. That's what leads us to accept anybody and everybody that walks in those doors. If you cannot be impressed with what God is doing in your life, you'll never be impressed with what God is doing in someone else's life. That's why legalists had such a hard problem of accepting people because they really weren't ex excited about what God was doing in their life because it was all about them. And I've got good news for you this morning, wherever you are. God is revealing himself to you this morning. And even if you're not really pursuing him, he is pursuing you. And he has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is one God one creator and he has come to you 
not based upon how you're living. He has come to you not based upon your performance. And he has revealed himself to you. And he wants you to cross that line. Have you come to the place to where you've asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life? He is revealing himself to you. Would you do that? Not based upon your performance, not based upon your works, not based upon a religion, but based upon a relationship. For those of you that have done that and, and you know that you're a believer and you're in Christ, no matter what your past looks like, no matter the sin that you struggle with right now, no matter what you did this last week, no matter what you did last night at 2 in the morning, no matter what you viewed on the internet, no matter what you viewed on a TV screen, no matter how deep and dark your sin is, no matter how secret and private it is, you're acceptable to him. And would you look at your life and say, is my life really in step with the gospel? Is it really in step with the things that I profess to believe? And are there changes? Is he a priority in your life? You want to be set free? It is understanding. It is not your performance. It's not a religion that sets you free. It's Christ and what he's done on the cross. Our men are going to get up and make their way to the back, and we're going to take communion as a church family. And I cannot think of a better time to take communion as a church family. And, and I, would, I would pray this, that this morning that as you take communion, that you would take it a little bit differently, with a little bit different of awareness of the gospel and how it's penetrated your life. If you're new and this is your first weekend with us and you're wondering, is that just for church members or, you know, we don't have any rules and regulations here. We just, we just follow the Bible and say, you know what, if it's in the Bible, we'll just call it good. So here's the requirements that the Bible says of who can take communion. It's just reserved for believers. I mean, that's who it's for. It's, we remember Christ and what he has done for us. So if you come to the place in your life where you've accepted him and asked for forgiveness of sin, we invite you to take this morning. You know what? If you haven't done that, it's still not too late. You can still receive him, accept him, believe in him. And what a wonderful deal to accept him and then to take communion and celebrate that. Men, you come as we hand out the elements. The men are going to come. They're going to hand out the elements. There's two cups on top of one another. Take both cups out. Place it to the person next to you. And then if you'll hold both cups together, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you more instructions. Go ahead, men. I'll give you more instructions in just a second. The scripture says this, is that we're to examine our lives before we take of communion. Would you spend time, sit before him quietly as the piano plays? And look at your life and say, is my life in step with the gospel? Am I living in freedom? Father, we thank you for this morning. 
Father, we ask that as we hand out the bread, we hand out the juice, that we'd be aware of your presence. And that, Father, you would do a supernatural work here this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Corinthians, Paul gives these instructions before taking the bread and before taking the juice. He said, For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is is in remembrance of me. He knew the greatest danger of the Christian life is forgetting what Christ did for you on the cross and not living a life as an expression of your forgiveness and grace in being set free. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you that we can live this Christian life in freedom. Help us to flesh that out in our lives. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me? Scripture goes on and says, in the same way also, Jesus took the cup and after saying, after supper saying, 
This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Do not forget what I did for you on the cross. Do not forget what I have forgiven you of. Do not forget that you can have a life of freedom in me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The gospel is not just for us. It's a proclamation that we make to the world. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of sin. May we understand over these next several weeks, Father, help me to communicate this. I feel so inadequate. Help us to receive this, to receive your teaching so that we would live life differently and we would walk in step with the gospel and see you bless our lives, see you give us freedom, see you give us mercy, see you give us forgiveness as we give you honor and glory with our lives. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me? scripture says this is that after Jesus and his disciples took communion together they went out and sang a hymn they praised God and Justin and the worship team are going to lead that us in that you know what I would pray that you would just worship him a little bit different that you would know what he has forgiven you for that you would know what he has set you free from would you stand with me this morning and let me invite you that if you have made a decision of any sort we, we have had so many decisions this morning. We've had six people want to get baptized. God may want you to follow him in believer's baptism. God may want you to meet him this morning. If you have met him, there's a connect card. Would you fill that out? Place that in the box on your way out. Go ahead, Justin. You lead us.